Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. Well, we are in the finale, the ending, the final week of Battle Ready, which has, if you've been around Radiant for any amount of time, uh, this is a longer series. This is week nine, and so that's pretty long for us. And so we spent the last eight weeks going through Ephesians chapter six, and today is the finale of that, which is going to be incredible. Um, we're ending with the big bang of of the last piece of armor, and so it's going to be awesome. With that, we've um, kind of been reading through Ephesians six every week that we've gathered. And so we're going to start off with that again. And so it's on the screens. If you don't have your Bible, um, you can read along with us there. It's Ephesians chapter six, verses 13 through 15. It says this, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation, and lastly, the sword of the spirit. You guys say that with me, the sword of of the spirit, which is, it's awesome, it defines itself, the word of God. So in your notes, pull out the app if you take notes digitally or if you are taking them right here in the service on the paper. Week nine, the sword of the spirit. So every week we've been highlighting our Roman soldier friend here on the screen. And so we can look, all the guys, um, there's a few of you that look very similar to him. Um, he's, he's jacked, he's tan, he's got the buys, the tries, the forearms, um, all the good stuff. So we've been learning about all of his armor. And so today, um, what's really interesting is that we've learned about the, the various, the last five, the last eight weeks, we've learned about the five pieces of armor. This week, it's the sword of the spirit, which is interesting because in your notes, the sword is the soldier's offensive Weapon. What's really interesting is if you look back at all the pieces of armor, they are all to defend. You know, you got a helmet to defend. You got a breastplate to uh, guard the vitals, the vital organs uh, from being pierced by a sword or a spear or an arrow. You've got the belt of truth, which we learned kind of holds, girls it together. We've got the shoes. We've got the shield of faith. You know, we've got uh, the the soldier actually had a shield that would guard. They, if you remember that week, we learned about the turtle formation and how the shields come together to protect, uh, which is all awesome. We need defense. We need faith. We need salvation. We need truth. We need righteousness. We need peace. Uh, but today we're learning, we're going from the defense to the offense because we need an offensive weapon. So John 10.10 says this in your notes, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here, but I do want to highlight that we have an enemy. John 10.10 calls him a thief. He's here to steal, he's here to kill, and he's here to destroy. Here's what I want to say about that is we're not here to give him credit. He's not for us to fear. We walk in the freedom of Christ. However, we have to know that we do have an enemy. And so though we don't walk as defeated foe, we do know that we have an enemy. And so it's good for us to be mindful of that. 
Jesus says later in that, path, that same verse, Jesus speaking, I have come that they may have, we may have life and have it to the full. So the enemy wants to still kill and destroy everything that God has purposed for you, but Jesus has come that we may have life and life to the full. And I'm excited about that. So the sword of the spirit in your notes is the word of God. So I have a sword up here um, and I am a swordsman. I would have uh, made it to probably like the farm team of the Roman soldiers. You know, it's like, they're like, hey man, we really need to send out our next string, our third or fourth string. Um, what's really funny is we've had this in the office, and so we've, um, we have about 50 team members here at Radiant uh, that, that kind of work here, and uh, all the ladies, like it was sitting there, and they're like, what is that? Every guy, no joke, uh, picked it up and swung it around a few times. Like, it's like... <laughs> Like the little, the little boy and us were like, swing, swing. You know, it's like, it was, it was quite funny. Um, it's actually a real sword. Uh, so this is uh, considered, you know, the Roman soldier would have carried what is called a gladius, uh, which if you, do I have, I know it's a little older now, I'm telling my age. Uh, but the movie Gladiator, Russell Crowe, you know, are you not entertained? And uh, so he wields his sword really well. Uh, he, he was a Roman soldier in that movie. And so the idea of the Roman sword, the gladius would have been uh, built in such a way that it would have been perfectly fitted for the soldier, not too big and not too small, uh, where it was able to work in kind of perfect relationship with the shield, with the breastplate of righteousness, or you know, not righteousness for him, but the breastplate, the belt. And so it wouldn't have been bulky and cumbersome. It would have fit very closely. And so um, it would have been a, a great tool for a little closer combat, um, whereas the, the spear would have been for more like long distance fighting. And so we have to know that, that again, the Roman soldier had all of this armor and had all of these things that were defending him from the enemy, but he had one offensive weapon, which was the sword, which was the combative way where he moved from the defense to the offense. And so we're going to learn a little bit about our sword, which we've already defined as the word of God. So the word of God kind of breaks down really into three main categories. In your notes, the first one is graphe. Say graphe. It's the book, it's the writings, it's literally the physical copy that you buy, uh, which is like the most verified source of, uh, of history. Like it's incredible to see how the Bible has come to be. The second one is Logos, say Logos. That's the message of the Bible. And so the message of the Bible, you know, there's 66 different books, there's 40 different authors, there's, it's written over 1,500 years across three continents, three different languages, all of that stuff. But the message, the one singular message, the logos of the Bible is Jesus. Now, I know that we make jokes like, oh, Sunday school, the answer is Jesus. In this case, it actually is. Like, that is what it means. It's the message. It's, so if you're raised in church or, you know, I wasn't, but I learned about um, Abraham and Isaac. And you've got this guy that God calls out of his homeland in Genesis. And we read about this guy in Genesis, which is the first book of the Bible, way before Jesus it comes as, as, a, as, as a man on the earth. And we read about this guy, Abraham, and he gets promised a son. It takes a long time to get this son, but finally he gets a son named Isaac. 
and God calls him to <laughs> sacrifice his son on the altar, which is a big deal. Uh, that's a kind of a scary thing. And what does God do? He provides a ram in the bushes. Isaac gets to keep his life. Whew. Thank God for that one. And so we read through that story, and we see Jesus sim symbolize the symbolic pointing of Jesus, the Messiah, in that story of that it wasn't Isaac, that there was a sacrifice provided, which ultimately Jesus paid his price, paid his life so that we could have life. And so you see, and I could go throughout every book of the Old Testament that would point to Jesus, but it's good for us to read our Bible that way, that we can see the logos, the message of the Bible is, what is it? It's Jesus. We're on the right track here. And then lastly, it's Rhema, Rhema, the spoken word. Um, you know, so there's, a, there's some movements uh, that take this to the extreme sometimes, you know, the, but there's, there's something to say about, you know, the spoken word. We're going to name it. We're going to claim it. We're going to confess it. We're going to possess it. You know, we're going to see it. We're going to be it. Now, with that, that can get weird, but at the same time, we want to speak the word. We want to believe the word. So it says it like this in your notes. It's not enough to study the word and to even know the word. You must speak the word. So even in some engagements and interactions throughout some of the Bible, we see that even the demons know who Jesus is. Even the demons know some of the word and they tremble. So it's not even studying and knowing. We see even the engagement that we read about with Jesus in Matthew 4, and he's combating the enemy while he's being tested and tempted in the desert after a long fast, that the enemy combats him with the word. But yet Jesus has such a clarity and such a discernment that he's able to break that down and to disarm the enemy. And, and Matthew 4 says that the enemy leaves him and departs from him. And, and comes for a more opportune time. So there's an element of it is an offensive weapon. These verses and these, these chapters aren't just historical data. Like it is our sword, which we're going to dive into a lot of that. So here's the big thing is that we have to know in your notes, um, point number one, it's the word is inspired by God. I love what 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped. Say that with me, thoroughly equipped. So this isn't just for you to have information. This isn't just for you to know or to study. It's to be equipped with the word to be equipped with your offensive weapon as a believer in Jesus, as a disciple of Christ, as a son and a daughter of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So to maybe thoroughly equipped for every good work. In your notes, and I'm going to fly through some of these, but I promise we're going to slow down a little. A command is only as powerful as the authority of who it comes from. I'm going to say that again. I know you're writing it down, but a command is only as powerful as the authority of who it comes from. So we got to know that the Bible has some authority. So um, I want to share just a little bit. I, I, some of you I haven't had the chance to get to meet, uh, but I'm kind of coined as the 
dope dealer to hope dealer. Pastor is just my lot in life and the burden that I carry. God's done a lot. Uh, there's a test in my testimony. There's a mess in my message. And uh, so here's what I've learned is that I've had numerous occasions uh, with law enforcement uh, throughout my life. Um, currently clean, sober, the whole nine. It's good. Your pastor living the dream. Uh, but there's been a lot of occasions that I have seen blue lights in my rearview mirror. Um, there have been multiple occasions that I've been asked to step out of my vehicle and the car to be searched. And uh, there's some scars, you know, like that, that's a scary thought, you know. It's, it, and then sometimes it gets real. Sometimes you get let go. You know, it, it's created an awareness that even now, you know, currently my insurance is paid in full. Uh, my license and registration is valid. I don't believe that there's any warrants out for my arrest. Like I'm, I'm driving like I'm, I'm squeaky clean. But can I tell you the other day, this is real life, and this is just one example of many, that literally a week ago I'm driving over the Gandhi Bridge from South Tampa to St. Pete, and you know, I'm mesmerized by the beauty of the bay, and <clears throat> you know, it's, it's easy to lose track of how fast you're going over that bridge. And um, you know, my buddies who I love, they're doing their job, they're protecting, they're serving, um, but you know, they're waiting on the other side of the bridge. For people, you know, again, they're just wanting to make sure that we're abiding by the law. And can I tell you that in a moment, I immediately, I see the vehicle, I see the, the law enforcement officer, I, the, the authority that they command, I'm immediately going, how fast am I going? Do I have my seatbelt on? Do I even have my license with me? Like, uh, you know, all of these thoughts. Because they command an authority with their position, they, they have authority to speak into things. Um, and by the way, life hack, again, if you're in law enforcement, please, I'm not endorsing this, I'm just telling you <laughs> what a, a fellow law enforcement officer told me, that nine, this was the phrase, nine you're fine, 10 you're mine. Um, <laughs> which means that if you go nine over, my wife Kat texted me during the service, uh, last service, she corrected it. She said someone, uh, <clears throat> someone texted her and said, hey, let Bobby know that coming from a former law enforcement officer, it's actually eight you skate and nine you're mine. So uh, I've been going, by the way, if I read, I, genuinely, I learned that like, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Genuinely, whenever I see a, a speed limit sign, I, I go nine over. It's just like, it's like built in me. And then 70 means like whatever you want to do. The flow of traffic. <laughs> you got to keep up with the flow of traffic at 70, you know. So anyway, a little life hack there. Uh, do what you want with that. Uh, I'm not endorsing that. I'm just telling you what I've been told. So with that, we've got to know that So in practical life as believers, when we're walking through things, we have to know the authority that the word of God, which is not just some distant thing, it's our weapon. It's our offensive weapon that we can claim that authority and speak that into the life situations in our workplaces, in our relationships with roommates, in our marriages, in our finances, in the way that we approach education. All of these things, we have an authority that we can stand on. Second is, in your notes, the word of God is living and active. I love what Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says, for the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any 
double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. We learned about that over the last few weeks. Pastor Ann's given us that, that picture of soul and spirit and what that looks like. And so it, it divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart, which is big. Like it's not just the surface level stuff. It's, it's like alive and it's active and it's digging in. So with that, I remember coming to this realization that I'm thankful for the historical data that the Bible provides, the, the graphe. The, the idea that we have a book, a physical book with historical data that is accurate, that lines up with world history, that in many um, environments of academia would be one of the more and most verified source of information. Like how cool is that, that we do actually have something that isn't a fairy tale, it's historical. At the same time, if we're not careful, we won't view it as what it is also, which is alive and living. It's active, it's living, it's for us today. So one of my favorite, one of my wife's and I's favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 11. It's a very famous passage of scripture. And it says, for I know the thoughts that I have towards you. I know the plans I have for you. It's not to harm you. It's to give you hope and a future. If you read, if you know the history so there's a historical side of the prophet Jeremiah. The guy lived a treacherous life as a prophet. Like that, that scripture written in Jeremiah was for the, the nation that we know as Israel because they had been in captivity. They have gone through back and forth. Israel, I, I mean, recently we see that Israel is like always on the, under the attack. However, because it's not just a historical book with with data from real life world events, it's also living and it's active. And so though I respect and I honor Jeremiah 29, 11 for what it is, I also grab a hold of it. Now that's mine. Jeremiah doesn't need it anymore. Like I got it. So whenever I'm caught between a rock and a hard place and I feel like what's my purpose and I'm a cog on the wheel and no relationships working and I can't get out of debt and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. No, 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 no. It's living and it's active for I know the thoughts that you have towards me. I know the plans that you have for me. And though I may not see it, those thoughts are to give me hope and a future. I'm claiming the authority for what it is. I'm encouraging myself with the word because it's not just a history book for us to learn about all of what, what is our faith and, and how it came to be and the, the genealogies of all of these families and how it lines up and how the Messiah came and all of the, the theology and the history, but it's also living and it's active for today. It's a manual for me today. So uh, number three is the word of God is truth. This is a big one because I feel like with the word of God being truth, which I know some of you, I really so, I'm really sorry. I only do this like twice a year, so I'm not as good at the notes as Pastor Aaron. Uh, some of you are going to ask me like, man, he missed a note. <laughs> he missed it. And I did. I, missed, I didn't miss it in the first one. So God's word brings life to dead things. Which, whatever that is, like life to dead things. Life to your marriage, life to your relationships, life to your finances. Like you've got to, like God's word brings life. There's, there's some scripture that you can get behind that is for you, for your family, for your calling. God's word brings life to dead things. Number three is the word of God is truth. Can I tell you that I believe that truth holistically 
is being attacked and being combated from every angle. We live in a world today because of the rise of the internet, because of the rise of social media, because of the rise of we've taken a world that has been historically for the most of its existence been very separated over the last few decades have has become, it's, it's really shrank. It's become a small world where we can know what's happening right now in any part of the world. So with that, truth is on the table of discussion. And the, the big idea is that whatever your truth is, is, is up to you, all right? But what I love is that though I believe that Jesus modeled this and I want our church to do the same, is that yes, we're inclusive, we're loving, we have conversations, we can dialogue, we can have different perspectives and have good conversations and have good relationship even though we might disagree. I believe that. With that said, the church, followers of Jesus, have to know what truth is. Like, what is truth? And I love the way that Pastor Aaron presented it in the, uh, the truth portion of this series with taking gravity for an example. That if you were to say, listen, gravity works for you. It's your thing. You believe in it. It's fine. It's just not my thing. Gravity isn't for me, okay? I've, I've evolved into a different state of mind where gravity, I'm more into, you know, levitating, like, right? Um, <clears throat> like gravity is just not me. So with that, it's like, well, that's a good idea. And maybe even sounds cool in like a quote on, on a social media platform. But jump out of a plane without a parachute and see where your thoughts of gravity come into play and how truthful you might feel it is. Because it is truth. It's like we can't combat that. It is what it is. And until the Lord changes it, it is truth. Like gravity is real. So with that, what does that look like for us? I, you know, with that, I, I want to I dig into this a little and, and make, it, make it practical. So diets, which is not a word we use. We use nutrition now. There's no diet. What, what's your nutrition look like? So for me, like nutrition is a big thing, right? I love food. There's like a lot of different diets and nutrition plans out there. And I feel like it's hard to find the truth. It really is. Because it's like, you know, a lot of our staff, you know, they're like different people I know and people in my group. They're like, you know, it's like someone starts keto every Monday. And, you know, it's like carbs are the devil. Carbs make you fat. Not fat anymore. Fat used to make you fat. Now carbs make you fat. Unless they're complex carbs within the carb cycling window when you're working out. Or it's like, you know, well, no, fat is good if you're fat adapted, but if you mix carbs and fat together, then it's like, dude, what do you, you might as well be a lunatic, right? So, so but if you're fat adapted, then fats are awesome, but if you're not, they hurt you. So it's like, okay, well, what about just like whole foods and real food? It's like, yeah, I'm just gonna eat real food, whole foods, if it came from the ground or from an animal, yes, whole foods. And then you interact with someone and they're like, what are you doing, eating a banana or an apple? Why don't you just drink a soda? You know, it's like, look at all that sugar. It's like, I don't, I can't win, right? There's no truth in nutrition, right? Which is a different topic. It's like, just do something that works for you. Um, but I feel like that's how the world looks in terms of spirituality and our belief about, you know, you have some people from a higher power and we are our true self and like all of these different mentalities that create a great argument. And so what is truth? How do we navigate through truth? So with that, what we have to do is we have to have a good conversation 
with the engagement of what the word means. Because here's the thing, is we live in a world where it's easy to have the most sold book on the planet. Every hotel room had one at one point. I think they still do. Like It's like a prevalent book, but we as individuals haven't interacted with the word of God. And so some of us, we, we are lacking a little bit of truth. I love what Psalms 18 says. As for God, this is in your notes, his way is perfect. The Lord's word is flawless. Here's what I wanna challenge you with is, so I grew up in the South, I'm from the panhandle of Florida, you know, which is basically roll tide. But um, so I grew up where like, of course we believe in Jesus. We love Jesus, but we also love fishing and we love, you know, for some of them, maybe NASCAR and like pizza. And like, we love a lot of things and we love Jesus too. You better love Jesus, right? So with that, I had to engage with what that means in terms of truth. So here's what I wanna challenge all of us with is don't take my word for it. Don't take Pastor Aaron's word for it. Don't take our church's stance on it. Interact with the word of God, wrestle with it and, and see what you think. Because what I don't want is you to just regurgitate my thoughts. I want you to have interacted and, and know that you can stand on some solid ground of God's word being your sword so that when life and when the enemy comes, you have an offensive weapon, which is the word of God for your life. Because the word of God is flawless. Let me finish that scripture. He, this is huge. He shields all who take refuge in him. So the idea of the religion, the truth for a minute, is, is the best self. You know, I have a lot of podcasts. I have a lot of friends in leadership, a lot of friends that aren't. Christians and some missionary friends who do a lot of work overseas. Here's the, the consolidation of what I feel like I've come to is that there's a lot of people doing a lot of great things. The only thing missing is that it's, it stops halfway because it's their best self. Can I tell you my best self is not something that I would want to model. My best self, can I be really transparent, is probably gonna have operate out of selfishness. Uh, and, and that might be like way back in the back burner that I don't even know it's there that I'm maybe greedy or maybe angry. You fill in the blank of your thing. Maybe there's bitterness, maybe there's resentment, maybe there's selfishness, self-centeredness, maybe all of these things. And so we, what we've seen is we've seen some of the best by the world standards with the best ideas, the best version of themselves end in turmoil. They've reached the highest amount of money. They've reached the highest amount of status. They have, you know, wealth and and health and wisdom and all of these things, yet we see their families crumble. We see the suicidal thoughts kind of surround them. We see that because the truth of the gospel, the, the truth of the relationship with God, the truth of God's word, it has to be built on that. Everything else is quicksand, it's sinking sand. It's not a strong foundation. And so with that, here's the thing is, have good conversations, be inclusive, love everybody, but what is the truth? And, and how are you molding that and shaping that into your life? I want to uh, highlight a few more things in here and then we're gonna believe God for some big things. It says in your notes, God's word is perfect and without error. Again, wrestle with that. Like really, if you're a skeptic, be a skeptic, wrestle with it. Prove us wrong, like I want you to really study it. And then here's the thing is you've heard a lot of different stuff. You've heard 
nutrition, and you've heard about my dope dealer to hope dealer. You've heard all these different points. Here's the thing, was what happens on Monday? You know, how, how, what does this look like for, what am I doing with this tomorrow? What am I doing with this next week? I'm going, I'm, I'm taking my family on vacation. How am I applying this? Can I tell you the, the, the last couple minutes we have together is what I want you to do. I want you to think about, I want you to, to, to put on the forefront. If you don't remember anything else I've said, where we're about to go is the most important thing. So it's this, it's pray God's word. We're gonna pray it. We're gonna, we're gonna actually dig into to God's word. Can I, can I make it really, really practical? I'm a practical guy. Like, listen, I, just tell me what you need me to do. I, I want you to get some actual paper with a real pen. Because can I tell you, I've put so many notes in my phone and some of you guys do really good with this and you're better than me at it, but don't put it in some digital note. Don't put it in Evernote or your notes app. Like do that, but also make it real practical. I don't want it living in some app that you're not looking at, but I want you to get some index cards. I want you to get a journal. I want you to rip up some paper, whatever it is, and write down some scriptures, write down some actual verses from the Bible that are applying to exactly what you're praying for. You might be praying for your spouse. You and your spouse might be praying for that baby. Maybe you've gone through some infertility and you're praying for that. Maybe there's some financial things and you're really believing God for some big stuff. Maybe there's something about your calling and your purpose and and what you feel called to do with your life. Can I tell you that there's something for every area of your life with a simple Google search or talking to me and or one of our team members and like, let's find some scriptures that you can pray, like actually out loud pray. You know, the Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the thoughts. Like I'm, I'm claiming that over my purpose, over my future, over like I'm believing God, I'm praying God's word. First Thessalonians says it, that rejoice always, pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, in Christ, not just for ourselves. Second is obey. We're gonna obey God's word. I love what John 14 says. It says, Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, which that comma is very important. That's not a dictator, if you love me, keep my commands. It's that, hey, if you love me, this is the result. You know, as a married man, I don't, uh, I'm not faithful to Kat because it's a command. I'm faithful to Kat because she's, the best woman. She's my wife. She's the love of my life. I'm not faithful because it's a demand. I'm faithful because I love her. So the same way in our obedience to Christ. It's not that he's a Gandalf looking character with a gavel that's ready to swing it down on every one of your mistakes. It's that if you love him out of the result of that love, out of the overflow of that love, you will keep his commands. Uh, lastly is say God's word. This is a big one. And this is gonna be hard for some of you because this has been polluted in the church world. But can I tell you that there's a power in saying out of the purity and out of the heartbeat of what God has for us, that we declare the promises, that we claim the promises, that I'm not trying to name and claim some selfish, greedy decision. No, I'm claiming righteousness over my family. I'm believing God that my sons are going to be men of God, that even though they're being raised in a world of social media where children see pornography at seven and eight years old, that my sons are going to be men of God who love the Him with all of their heart, and that though half of the marriages sign a divorce paper, that my marriage is going to make it. By the way, if that's you and you've already signed the divorce paper, that God 
God's going to redeem the times, that he's going to turn beauty from ashes, not because of anything that you do, but because of what he has done, that we're going to pray. Come on, church, let's stand and let's believe God for some big stuff. So we're going to pray God's word. We're going to obey God's word out of love. We're going to obey it, and we're going to say it. So what I want you to do, as the team is about to go back into this song, I want you to think about what fight are you in? What battle are you feeling cornered up against the wall with? What big decision is overwhelming you? What big need do you have? What are you asking God for? And let's believe God to do what only he can do. Come on, church, let's declare God's word. Let's sing God's word. Let's believe him for his promises. gifts. Again, I have to remind myself that on my best day, on my very best, with all of my resources, with all of my experience, with all of the good that is within me, still comes up empty. That I need to believe that as the scriptures tell us, that his grace is sufficient. That it's, that it's his purposes for my life. And can I tell you that the best version of myself is mediocre in comparison to the version that he has for me. And so let's believe that. Let's do that today. Amen. Here's what I want to do is I want to take a moment. I want to ask everyone to just bow their heads and close their eyes. And there's a special group of you in the room that you love this idea. You love the idea of the word. You love the idea of God's purposes for your life and you connect with it and you want it. And you're, maybe your friends who invited you, they've been talking to you about what God's doing in their life and you've yet to make that full on commitment of following Jesus and making that decision. I wanna give you that opportunity. It's a simple yet very significant decision that is gonna launch you into the journey with Jesus that he's been waiting for. And so with that, I'm gonna give you an opportunity on the count of three to just raise your hand. No one's looking around. This is between you and Jesus, not between me and you, you and the person next to you. It's between you and the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one that loves you so very much. So on the count of three, we see that hand. So one, two, three. Thank you, Lord, for those hands. Thank you so much. Thank you for your boldness. Thank you for your willingness to trust us with such a big decision. I wanna pray and I'm gonna ask all of us to join with those who just made that decision in this prayer. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you desperate. 
knowing that we, on our best day, don't have what it takes. But we need a Savior. We ask Jesus that you would forgive, that you would redeem, that you would reconcile, that you would lead us into the full life that you promised in John 10.10. We commit our lives to you. Our thoughts, our decisions, our actions, our past, and our future. We live for you. Thank you, Jesus. It's in the strong and mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for those that just made that decision? We love you so much. So proud of you. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.